So anyway, the title of this sermon is Don't Mess With Texas. <laughs> so no. <laughs> Thinking about it. All right. So we got to get back to this. Christmas Eve, don't miss it. That is just such a wonderful time. It's one of my favorite services that we do all year. Uh, we're going to do communion together. Uh, it'll look a lot like a, a weekend service. And, and boy, it's just, it is just, it is something to be a part of and something that is real easy for you to invite your friends, uh, family that may not attend here or, or attend anywhere. And so anyway, we look forward to seeing you. So today we're going to look at, at this issue. We're going to look at, at Luke chapter one. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, but we're going to look at this issue of why does God use the people he uses? Or, or, or better yet, just maybe more specifically, why did God choose to use Mary? Why did God choose to use Mary as a vehicle in which the Messiah, the perfect one, the Lamb of God would enter this world? I mean, why would he choose her? And then who are the people that, why does God choose to use anybody? And so we just, so that we just understand each other this morning. Biblically, the Bible never tells us that Mary was without sin. The Bible never tells us that, that Mary never sinned. The Bible never tells us that she was perfect. Fact is, the Bible never instructs us to worship her. The Bible never instructs us to pray for her. Actually, one of the main reasons that we can use her, her, her life as an example this morning is because she was human. She was like us. She had fear. She had concerns. She had issues. She had strengths. She had weaknesses. She could hear from God and all of these other things. And so this morning, we're going to look at this issue about why does God choose to use the people that he does? And there's a lot of people that will kind of push back and say, well, well, well wait a minute. Um, I don't really believe God can use me either because of my past or because of some things that are going on. And I know that's one of the reasons that, that people use, or one of the excuses, if you will. But I think deeper than that, what usually is going on and what is probably more prevalent is this, is that I don't know if I want God to use me. I'm going to have to change my schedule. I'm going to have to make spiritual things a higher priority than work, a higher priority than hobbies, a higher priority than sports. I mean, are you telling me that if, if I allow God to use me, then there's going to be some changes in my life, and you're right. And I think the number one reason why people do not, are not used of God is because down deep, they don't want to make changes. They don't want to make changes in their life or their behavior, their, 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 their likes, their dislikes, their schedules, their ambitions, their goals, their dreams, or anything like that. And so in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, here's what the scripture says. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was, was Mary. And so why did God choose to use Mary? It, it wasn't because she was wealthy, because she was poor. It wasn't because she was born into an influential family that were politically strong or, or known in the community because they were peasants, they were poor, they were, by, by community standards, they were pretty insignificant, if you will. It, it wasn't because she was educated. She was uneducated. It wasn't even because she was mature because she was a teenager. So the question is, is why does God use the people that he uses? Because when you look at Mary's life, you find that one of the main reasons, probably the root issue of why God used Mary is because Mary decided to trust God. Mary decided to trust God and she was able to, to move past her fear. 
In other words, that Mary did not let her fear control her. If you're not careful, your fears of life, they'll control you. Your fear of what the the, the future looks like, of what's going to happen to you, what's going to happen to your family, what's going to happen to your life, if you're not careful, you will allow your fear to control you and destroy you and suck the life out of you. And Mary was human, and she was flesh, and she had fears. In fact, as the Scripture says, that when the angel of the Lord came to her and told her that God was going to use her, the Scripture says that she was confused and disturbed. Now, the English language uses two words to kind of explain the depths of that, but it's just one very specific term in the Greek, which means this, petrified, shaking with fear paralyzed in your fear or paralyzed in what's going to happen to you. And so she had fears that are much like our fears of today if God's going to use us or if we're going to live a life differently than everybody else committed to him. The, the fear of criticism. I mean, Mary, what is everybody going to... I'm engaged, I'm betrothed, and I'm pregnant. What is everybody going to say? Will they understand me? We have those same fears today, right? What keeps a lot of us from living for God in the workplace, in a home, in a community, even in a church? Fear of criticism. What will people say about me if I am that committed to him, if I follow him at that level? How about the fear of the supernatural? Can I tell you, there are a lot of believers that are scared to death of the supernatural. Even though we believe in God, we believe in the Holy Spirit, and we believe in all things, but you're scared to death of the supernatural because you know what happens? He moves in your life. You lose control. We want to be able to explain God. We want to be able to put God in a box and say, God only operates this way, and it's always the way we think he should operate, and we kind of define who God is. The fear of the supernatural. Mary had to work through that. How about the fear of inadequacy? And she's a teenager. She's young. She's about ready to raise the Messiah, Jesus, the perfect one. Uh, focus on the family wasn't around then. Dobson wasn't writing any books. There was nobody that she could go and talk to about, how do you raise a perfect cat, child? How do you handle it? How do you deal with siblings? How do you deal with the... She had to feel inadequate. Maybe one of the big ones was fear of change. That's why a lot of people, man, they don't want God to use them because they're wanting to know, well, what do I got to give up? I, I don't really want my life to change. I, I kind of like my life how it is and my systems and my beliefs and, and how I handle life. And, and boy, if I followed God at that level, then I'd have to change. My priorities may change. My schedule ch may change. The things that I do may change. I, I, I think if we're honest... It's not really, we don't think God can use us as much as we don't know if we want to be used by God because of the cost and because of change and because of all those other issues. Three principles that we can pull out of Mary's life and apply it to our life about the people that God uses. The people that God uses are, are people who do his will. The people that God truly uses are those that do his will, are those that decide in advance to follow him and do his will, and those that say, you know what, God, I want to 
I want your plan for my life. We talk about this all the time here at Fellowship of the Rockies that God has a custom plan for you and a custom plan for your life and God desires to use you. The question is, is will you allow him to use you? Will you put yourself in a position to where God can use you? In other words, you have got to come to the place and cooperate with his will or less or less you'll miss it. I mean, one of the fears that I have, just so you know, one of the fears that I have is one day I'll lay on my deathbed and look back over my life and look over all the missed opportunities that I had in life and say, I wished I had trusted God more in that area of my life. I wished I had trusted him with that situation and that's the missed opportunity. Listen, if if you don't cooperate with him, I'm just telling you, you're going to have missed opportunities in your life. Aren't there times in your life, the situations that you've been in, hurts or pains or problems, and you think, boy, if I had aligned my life with God, I wouldn't be going through that right now. I wouldn't have to be dealing with the hurt. I wouldn't have to be dealing with the broken relationship. I wouldn't have to be dealing with all these issues if I had just followed his plan for my life. I meant Mary. Look at her response, verse, verse 46. And so Mary responded, my soul magnifies the Lord. We just sang that in worship. What does that mean? I mean, how do you magnify the Lord? Why would she respond like that? Well, you, I mean, you, God cannot get any bigger, right? He's, God's God, and he's going to be God whether we think he's God or not. He's powerful whether we think he's powerful or not. So how do you magnify the Lord? And there were some deep lyrics that we sang in there about when we says, come and worship. Do not be afraid. Why? Because so many people are afraid of the change in their life. They're afraid of the supernatural. They're afraid of losing total control of their life. It, but not Mary. She says, I magnify the Lord. Listen, you have a choice in life. You can either magnify your fears you could be magnify your questions of God. You can magnify your problems in life, or you can magnify him. And see, when you magnify, listen, I'm just telling you, when you magnify your fears, when you magnify your concerns, when you magnify your problems, I'm telling you, you'll never find healing in that. You'll never find success in that. Because here's what happens. Your fear, your problems get bigger and bigger and bigger. And in your mind, they're bigger than God. In your mind, God can't even solve them. God can't even take care of them because God's pretty insignificant. You see, magnify God in your life is to understand that God is bigger than all of that. I mean, when I was in high school, I finally saved up enough money. We lived in Bay City, Texas, and, and I saved up enough money, and me and some buddies dro drove to the Astrodome in Houston, Texas, and I saw my first professional uh, football game. The Houston Oilers uh, played the, uh, the Cleveland Browns. Both teams were horrible. I think we spent 10 bucks a ticket, which that, you can't even find a place to park for that now. And our seats were on the top row of the Astrodome to where our backs, I mean, pigeons couldn't get any higher. They wouldn't even go that high. And I'm telling you. And, and our backs were against the concrete. The steel members, you know, were coming, cutting across. And, you know, you just kind of, you, you felt claustrophobic that you're just up there. And the way the, 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 the dome was is you just kind of looked straight down. And the players were so small. And many years later, when I was in engineering, uh, uh, a vendor uh, gave me a couple of tickets to go see the Houston Oilers, uh, Warren Moon days and Joe Montana days. Warren Moon and, and uh, the 49ers, Joe Montana. And they were on the 50-yard line 
visitor's side, uh, eight rows from the field. I couldn't believe how big the players really, I mean, we could reach out and hit them. I mean, they're like ginormous. I'm like, wow, they were ants last time I was here. And now look, I mean, I couldn't believe Ronnie Lott was so big and, and Warren Moon and all those guys. And they didn't grow since I last saw them. What changed? I got closer to them. How do you magnify the Lord? You get closer to him. You pull closer to him. I'm telling you, someone that is paralyzed by fear and questions and their problems are bigger than they are, they are not magnifying the Lord in their life. And they view their fears and they view their problems and they view their situations bigger than God. And they believe, you know what, this is so big, God can't even take care of it. When you magnify the Lord, there's a difference in your life. People look into your life. I know people that have met Christ. And they've gone in with family members or they've been with family and, and they've come back and they've said words like, you know what, my family wanted to know what was the change in your life. You're different. What's the change? You have magnif- listen, you had magnified the Lord. Listen, when you live a life to magnify him, it's attractive to people around you to, or people look in your life and say, I want that. Man, I want that security. I want that strength. I want that, that even in the midst of fear and even in the midst of problems, they got this strength. They got this security. Mary was that type of, of person. She, she didn't magnify her fear. She didn't magnify her questions. She magnified the Lord. And as a result of that, she was made, able to move in spite of her fears, in spite of her problems. Look at this. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. In other words, they're calling her blessed because God used her, not because of who she is, but because God used her. And Mary didn't say, hey, God, find somebody else. I'm not doing it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not changing my plans. I'm not changing my priorities. I'm going to keep my same priorities at work. I'm going to keep my same priorities in life. I'm not changing my priorities for you. I may have done that one time in my life, but I'm just in a place where I'm not going to do that. I mean, Mary didn't say, find someone else. Joseph and I are engaged. We've already bought a house. We know where we're going to live. We want to live near mom and dad. We want to raise 2.3 kids, and we want to have a car, and we want to do vacations, and I've got ambitions, and I've got goals, and I've got it all figured out. God, find someone else, not Mary. Mary magnified the Lord, and Mary committed to do his will before before he ever asked. And Mary didn't even say, you know what? I filled out at our church. I filled out one of those spiritual gift tests. And it came back that I don't have the spiritual gift to do that. See, we make so much about us. And it revolves around us. Mary said yes to God long before he ever asked her. Because she desired to do his will. And I'm telling you, God desires to use you. The question is, not that does God desire to use you. The question is, will you allow him to use you? I mean, two things about Mary real quickly. She had great enthusiasm. I mean, she had great enthusiasm. I mean, she, she wasn't going around saying, well, who can tell an angel no? I really don't want to do this, but there was no telling that guy no. 
I mean, they guilted me into it. They pressured me into it. Uh, you know what? I, and, and so many people serve God like that, and they wonder why stuff doesn't happen in their life and in their ministry. There's no enthusiasm. There's no passion. They're doing it because it's a job. They're doing it because it's a profession. They're doing it because they have to, because they're made to. Not Mary. She had enthusiasm. I mean, do you want to follow some guy? Or some woman that's more depressed than you? You want to follow someone that has more questions about God than you got? You want to follow someone that doesn't really believe that God is going to take care of him or you? There's nothing attractive about that. And nothing great. I don't care what's it's in ministry, whether it's in sports, whether it's in job. Nothing great is ever done without enthusiasm, without excitement without passion, to where you know, you know what, this person, they're going to do this regardless of what happens because there's such enthusiasm there. Listen, enthusiasm is not something that you work up. You, it, it's not something out of a personality. Enthusiasm, the English word enthusiasm comes from two Greek words, in theos. Theos is God, in God. You want to have enthusiasm in your life and you want to have excitement in your life that problems, circumstances, fear cannot take away? Magnify the Lord. Get closer to him and get in God. And then God will give you the enthusiasm. The other thing about Mary's life is she was, there was humility. I mean, she was humble. She, she didn't say, well, I was wondering when you'd get around to asking me. I mean, I, I mean, you know, you're pretty lucky to have me on the team. I think I'll do an outstanding job of being the mother of Jesus and raising him and and that spiritual gift test that I took, I checked all the right blocks. And you're lucky to have me. See, see, we have a choice. And hear me. You can magnify self or you can magnify God. When you magnify self is when you give in to your fears. You give in to your questions. It's all about the flesh. It's all about you figuring it out. It's all about you trying to understand God. Why is it that Christians are so uncomfortable with not being able to understand everything about God. If I can understand everything about God, he's not worth following. Because I don't always know the right things to do. I don't always know what's best. Mary, she said yes to God before he ever invited her in this journey. Man, I'm living proof of that. And many of you know my story and my testimony. And I was, I ran from God and I knew I was called to preach and I was knew I was called to do this. And, and I tried to find peace and happiness in a profession without him. And, and it didn't matter how much money I made. It didn't matter how many promotions I had. It didn't matter how many people worked for me. I never was able to get that peace and I was never able. I mean, I was, I was miserable. It was a horrible 10 years of my life of running from him. And I was trying, I was coming back to him and and, and I signed up and did a mission trip in Beattlestock, Poland. I'm in a dumpy, dusty, dirty church. I'm down in a dumpy basement and sleeping on a dumpy cot and hope you feel sorry for me. And, and it was miserable. And I'm down in this cot and I was separated from my wife and from my family. I was separated from all the comforts at home. I was separated from everything that goes on here. It was just kind of like me and God. And one night I'm reading through the Psalms and God just broke me. 
And I said, God, I can't keep living like this. I can't find peace without you. I can't find peace apart from you. I can't find what I'm looking for. And so what, from this point on, whatever you ask me to do, I'll do. Doesn't matter to me. And so when uh, Kurt Dodd came over to my house and asked me, that, and, and told me that it, it appears God's hand is on your life, it appears that he, God's called you into ministry, would you go to Pueblo, Colorado and plant a church? Yeah, it, it just shocked him when I looked at him. He says, oh, I, I signed up for this two years ago in Beattlestock, Poland. I'm done. I'd never been to Colorado. Didn't even know where Pueblo, Colorado was on the map. I had to look it up. I don't know that shocks you. What, there's one Texan that hadn't made it to Colorado yet? <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm the guy. <laughs> man. Man, I'm telling you. See, 2 Corinthians, Paul says, we make it our goal to please him. Is that your goal? Is that your goal to please him? Is that your goal to magnify him? Is that your goal to live life differently? I mean, see, one of the things about Mary is Mary was able to hear from God and know it was God and listen to him and respond. And here's what I find with so many Christians. So many Christians don't know how God speaks to them, don't even know if it's God's voice. And so there's, there's two ends of the spectrum, spectrum, if you will. There's the very conservative side that says God only speaks through his word. God only speaks through the Bible and no other way. But then when you press in and you start asking them questions and, and they're saying, well, I'm, I'm a pastor and, or I do this. And I'm like, well, why do you do that? Well, I feel called of God to do that. Well, great. Uh, where's the verse in the Bible that had your name that said you're supposed to do that? Well, I, I, I don't know. So you had to hear from God in addition to his word, right? And there's the other end of the spectrum that says this, that says God only speaks through situations and circumstances and, and really not through his word. And so, he, you know what, if, if the situation comes up and I meet someone, it's of God. And if, if, and if we do immoral stuff, that's of God because that's how God speaks. And so they justify all kinds of things in their life saying, God put this together. God put this situation together. And I'm telling you, there is a middle of the road to where we can learn. And listen, February, January 8th and 9th, we are going to spend four weeks together. And it is my prayer and it is my desire to teach you how do you hear from God? How does God speak? Because there are some that say he only speaks from his word. And so what does that mean? 2,000 years later, God got laryngitis. There's a you cannot call this a personal relationship with him if he does not speak to you. I mean, in John, G Jesus is the one that says, 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 I am the shepherd, and the sheep hear my voice, and they listen, and they follow me. Not the shepherds hear my voice, the sheep. God, God doesn't just speak to pastors. God wants to speak directly to you to where you know it's his voice and you can respond and you know that it's a personal relationship. So in, in your bulletin is a thing on conversations and, and it, it is our desire, it is our prayer. We're, we're, we've developed a curriculum around this. We would love to develop conversational groups. 
that, that, that people would say, you know what, I'll get, a, I'll get my family together, I'll get friends together, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll meet at the workplace, we'll meet in a home. But through that period, we will talk and we will discuss about this issue about how do you hear from God? How do you know it's his voice? How do you respond to him? Because that's one thing that Mary was so strong in. Watch this, verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things, what things? The things that God had told her. Tre- treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. She spent time in his word. She read his word. She knew his word. She understood that God would never ask me to do something that violated his character, that violated the word, that violated his purity, that violated principles that he has given to us. She understood that. But she pondered those things. She listened and responded. Here a while back, it was many years ago, that... uh, that I took part in a, in a seminar on, on communication and, and, and how you communicate. And, and so they broke us up into small groups and they gave us a, a subject that was personal about our, our past and just something that we were, we were excited to tell and we had to tell a story. We gave us three minutes and so we each took turns and we're at a, a table, a small group of guys, uh, 10 to 15 people at a table. And so they had us stand up and when we told the story, well, the people that were listening, the listeners, it was their task to totally ignore the speaker. And so they turned our head. I mean, have, have you guys ever talked to someone that was not listening to you? Wives, do not flinch. Look, just look this way. Do not flinch. All the other services, I know there's some conversations going on after the service because there were elbows and looks and points and everything. But we've all talked to someone that wasn't really listening. And I couldn't believe as, as a communicator, I'm telling them my story and and none of them were looking at me. They were, they were making no eye contact with me. They were, they were talking amongst themselves. And I caught myself getting so frustrated and angry. And it was so distracting. It was hard to carry a thought, which is a challenge for me normally. <laughs> and I caught myself trying to look around and just try to, try to get eye contact. And I'd move and they'd move their head away from me. And I, got, it, I didn't even get to say what I wanted to say. I wonder if God ever gets frustrated with us like that. He's trying to talk to us. He's trying to communicate to us. And we want none of it. Forget about him using us. We won't even take time to open our Bible and read it on our own. To pray. To communicate to him. God uses people that desire to do his will. And God uses people that desire to pay the cost. Because that's sometimes a lot of things that we don't talk about in church. And sometimes we kind of candy coat his will. But Jesus never did that. See, Jesus was straight up with a group of followers. And he was honest with a group of followers. And he told them, says, listen. A man who builds a house, he counts the cost before he ever starts. He makes sure he'll see it all the way to completion. He makes sure he has enough supplies. He makes sure he has enough materials. And so should you. If you're going to follow me, you take up your cross and you follow me. But before you do, before you do, you count the cost. Because it, it will come as a cost. I mean, if, if, if you were to make a commitment today, which, boy, I would just think would be incredible, and say, you know what, 2011, I'm going to rearrange some priorities. I'm going to follow God. I'm going to do his will at a deeper level. I'm just telling you, it will come at a cost. It came at a cost to me when God called Karen and I to Pueblo to start a church. It was 15 minutes away from my parents, my daughter's grandparents. It came at a cost to my daughters. We were once 15 minutes away from their grandparents. Now we're 1,000 miles away. 
We're two days away if you drive. It came at a cost to them changing schools. It came at a cost to us of, of, of everything that we went through. And so, yeah, it came at a cost, but I'm telling you this. I would not give up the blessings for any amount of money. And there's some of you, you are missing so many blessings and you may be gutting through ministry and you may be gutting through life and you may be gutting through, through, through uh, following God and sucking it up. And do it. But down deep, you have no peace. Down deep, there is no blessing. Down deep, you don't see any of that. And I'm telling you, when you understand how to magnify him and draw closer to him, verse 31, it's God's plan. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give uh, to him the throne of the Father of David, and he will, will reign over uh, those of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be, be no end. And, and, and watch Mary's response. And Mary said, Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Man, I follow you. I don't create you in my image. I'm created in your image. I am your servant. And then here's the most important phrase she could have ever said. Let it me to be. I don't even know if that made sense. I'll read it slower. <laughs> Let it be to me. I'm trying to get ready for, uh, this, this is way off, but anyway, I'm trying to get ready for uh, the Christmas Eve service and doing four services back to back and keeping your energy level all the way through. So I stopped at Walmart and bought one of those Starbucks double shot deals. And so I'm having trouble focusing and sometimes I'm talking faster than my mind's moving. Because <laughs> I thought I should do a dry run. <laughs> That was, that was probably too much information. I may try. <laughs> anyway, at least it wasn't liquor or something like that. <laughs> okay, back to this. So here we go. So it had come at a cost. So, so following God, <laughs> I probably lost all control. Okay, so it, it comes at a cost. The first thing it cost Mary was what? Her reputation. This wasn't, this wasn't a good thing in their culture to get pregnant before you get married. I mean, Joseph could have, a, could have divorced her. Can you imagine what the community was saying? Can you imagine what parents were saying? Can you imagine what was going on in the neighborhood and saying, oh, Jerry and, Mo, and, and God, Joseph and Mary. <laughs> Joseph and Mary are so dysfunctional. They come up with these weird stories to Jack. I can't believe them. Can you imagine the cost, the hit it came to her reputation? Don't miss this. You can say, well, wait a minute. She gave birth to Jesus, the Messiah. It wasn't until he was 30 years old till he did his first miracle. She lived under that 30 years saying he's the Messiah, he's the Lamb of God, he's the one that Isaiah wrote about and spoke about. And everybody going, yeah, sure. 30 years. And even after she gave birth to him, and after he did his first miracle, people still didn't accept him. People still didn't believe. It will come at a cost. 
to your reputation to follow him. I'm telling you, 2011, you decide to follow him at a deeper level to where you say, what, what, it's, what it says of your word, may it be true with me. Listen, let me tell you something. Following him will come at a cost and problems are a part of that cross, of that cost. Why is it we as Christians believe if I follow God and I do exactly what he says, I will have no problems. I will have no struggles. Everything works out for me. Everything happens for me because I follow him and I serve him. And guess what? If they don't work out for me and I have problems, now I got problems with God because I go, look at all I've ever done for you. It's just served you. So it cost her reputation, but it was also cost your comfort. I mean, Jesus is to be born in Bethlehem and Joseph and her live in Nazareth. And so while pregnant, they had to travel to, to Bethlehem to give birth, and that was before SUVs and leather uh, interior and, and seat warmers and DVD players and 18 cup holders and, and uh, you know, and all that stuff. That, it, it, was, it was uncomfortable. Had to move away from family and friends. And I'm telling you, it will cost your comfort. See, there's always a cost. So, so many Christians want cost-free Christianity. And there is no blessing in that. To where you pursue the gifts more than the giver. To where there is no cost. It's all about you, my schedule, my priorities, my plans, my ambitions, my goals. You may be able to live life like that, but I'm telling you, you are missing some of the greatest blessings that God has for you of living life like that. I mean, there should be things going on in your life that nobody can explain. There are things going on in this church that none of us can explain. And none of, I mean, it's just amazing what God is doing in this church. And we need so many people that are willing to say, you know what, I'll serve. I'll, last weekend, we had 1,900 people here on this campus for services. And some of the decisions that were made are still staggering to me. Don't you want to be a part of that? Don't you want to share in that? Don't you want to say, God, you, you use me to welcome someone, to encourage someone, to minister to someone? Listen, I'm telling you. The greatest cost that comes to you when you want cost-free Christianity is you miss the blessings of that. Even when you hear the stories, it doesn't mean the same thing to you as when someone was directly involved in that. The last thing is this, is God uses people who trust in his promises. God uses people who understand that this is the word of God. It's without mistake. It's without error. It is for us. It was relative to who we are and where we are. And and look at Mary. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be? So she had questions. Your questions are not a problem. It's the refusal in solving your questions. How will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. For nothing, nothing will be impossible with God. God made her a promise. 
God made her a promise in his word. Listen, I'm telling you, God gave me a promise in his word. In 1994, in Conroe, Texas, on the side of Lake Conroe, I was there with my Bible and trying to figure out what God had for me, and he gave me Isaiah 43, 43 18 through 22. And it was his promise to me for Pueblo, Colorado. And do you realize ever since then, I have used those principles in setting a church up, the focus of ministry, how we minister to people. Everything goes back to the promise that God gave me. And God will give you promises out of Scripture. And we're going to learn how to do that. I mean, this series, Conversations, is so deeply personal to me because developing the ability to hear and respond to God has changed my life. And I don't approach life the same that I once did. Mary could hear from God, understood his word. God uses people that will trust in his promises. And, and Mary wrote one of the first worship songs, Christmas carols, in Luke chapter 1. She had worry and she had, and, and she had panic. Mary knew you've got to magnify him. How do you magnify him? Instead of worrying, you worship. Instead of panicking, you pray. Because when you draw near to him, that's what magnifies him in your life. And Mary understood that. Mary understood that worship wasn't just going through a bunch of songs, but worship was, was pulling closer to him and magnifying him. And the closer you get to him, now I'm telling you, the closer you get to him, the bigger he gets. The farther away you get from him, that's just a sign. When your problems get bigger than him and bigger than you, that is just a sign that you're far away from him. Man, 2011, would you pull close to him? Would you make a commitment and say, Lord, May it be of me as said in your word. May my life line up with your word. May I change whatever I have to change, schedules, priorities. I mean, we all have excuses, and we can all make them sound valid. I'll follow you at a deeper level. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? And let me ask you this morning, just real quickly, what is God speaking to you this morning? Because we know God desires to speak to you. Fact is, we know he's speaking whether you hear him or not, whether you understand it or not. What is God asking of you today in your, in your heart, in your spirit? Are you willing to be used of God? Are you willing to say, God, anytime, any place, I'll rearrange whatever I have to rearrange. I'll rearrange my ambitions, my goals, or whatever. I'll do whatever I have to do to follow you. Are you willing to say, God, I want to know you in a deeper way?